Jesse Douglas Smith McGraw, and this is What Moves You with Jesse. I'm a transformative coach on a mission to share an understanding of how our minds work that challenges how we react to life and our thoughts. I love to share stories and common sense ideas that empower you to take charge of yourself in a way that brings immediate and profound change. What I know to be true is that we are all innately healthy and doing our best with the thinking we have available to us on a moment-to-moment basis. And waking up to this will change what moves you. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to What Moves You with Jesse. I am so excited for you to hear the conversation I have queued up for you today. My guest is an in-demand horse trainer and riding instructor here in Los Angeles, and just so happens to be one of my dear, dear friends. Vivian Hall and I have been sisters from another mister for over 18 years, so we've been by each other's side as we've grown up and grown out of many different phases. She was one of the first people I called when I realized I had been making myself depressed by believing all of my own thoughts. And from there, as I learned and shared what I was seeing, I not only watched her transform on a personal level, but she immediately started seeing the connection in her own teaching, how working with horses and humans on horses was an in real time example for how we experience thought and how it can either hold us back if we don't see it, or how we can be free of its suffering and live an incredibly exhilarating life. This entire episode has the potential to make you go, oh, (laughs) because her stories make what I teach even more simple, and therefore that much more impactful. She's an incredible human being that has such a unique experience of life. I can't wait for you to dig in. So without further ado, here is Vivian Hall. Hi, Viv. Hello. (laughs) This is so fun. This is so fun. (laughs) It is so wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been a long time coming, I'm sure. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> and I'm so ex- I'm just, can we just revel in the fact that like I'm on your podcast right now? Like <laughs> yeah. it's just, I'm just so proud and like, I'm so humbled that you want to talk to me about anything. Like it's just, yeah, anyway. Okay, good job. <laughs> Thank you, Vivian. Well, I have already kind of given an intro to what you do in the intro to the show, but... I would love for everybody to hear it from you a little bit. So um, give us a little bit of background about how you became the horse whisperer teacher extraordinaire that you are. Oh my gosh. Um, Well, let's start off with the idea that I never thought I would be doing this. So that is really... um, not shocking, but sometimes I think about it and I'm like, oh, wow. Like I get to do what I did just because I loved it all the time. And I never thought that was even an option, which is weird because no one ever said like, this is not an option for you. It just wasn't something that I thought, because probably because it was a representation of someone that looked like me doing that where I was doing it. But how did I become a riding instructor? So I just loved horses my whole life. And luckily for me, my mom did too. And my dad didn't, but he was like, you love them, I love them. So this sounds great. Um, And I just grew up doing that all the time, right? I was lucky and got a horse when I was like nine. I had a pony when I was really little. But then I left college when I was 19. I was going to Illinois State for theater. And I was like, you know, why am I auditioning in college and not getting stuff? 
when I could be auditioning in LA and not getting stuff. So like, what's the difference? And I don't like it here. So I had a girlfriend that was also leaving school and wanted to move to LA. And I thought that sounds good. Let's do it. Um, Fast forward, my parents were like, okay, that sounds like that's what you want to do. So we'll support you in that because they're wonderful. Um, And when I moved to LA, I was here for a few months and I was working in a restaurant in Sunset and I just had missed horses and I missed doing something that I enjoyed instead of just like wondering how I was going to live. And I had just enough that I like went and signed up for some riding lessons at the equestrian center. And from there, the lady I was riding with was like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you work somewhere and get paid to ride or like at least ride for free versus like paying to ride? I was like, what, you can do that? Like, that sounds amazing. So she hooked me up with a job and then I was there for, which we lived together. So you probably remember all of this because we've been friends that long, it's crazy. Um, And from there, I was working with this girl named Zoe, who I still talk to and love, and she is so fun. Um, and she still works with horses and does other stuff. Anyway, so when I was there, I, Zoe was like, you know, you should go and try to get a job at this barn over in Topanga. They do eventing, which is a discipline that you did, and maybe you would like, like it a little bit better. Because I was having a hard time a little bit with the training cell of where I was. And I was like, okay. So I called and they just so happened to have someone leaving at that same time, like at the end of the week. And that girl's name is also Zoe. Weird, not weird. Who knows, whatever. Um, And they, yeah. And then I had an interview and I got the job and I started teaching horseback riding. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, literally, like, how am I going to tell people how to do this? Um, and you just kind of figure it out. And lucky for me, I had really, I had a really loving woman that basically taught me how to ride. And she was very kind and very nice and like really loved the horses. And so that was the example of teaching that I had. Um, and I like the feeling that that was like, you know, it felt nice to be there and to be supportive versus having someone that, you know, points out your faults all the time versus explaining the things that you're doing well you know what i mean because it always itself out and it all will come together in the end um but yeah so i feel like i just kind of rambled about it but that's how i got into being a riding instructor and then i just fell in love with it really like being a professional like hype woman and getting to like share your information with people and getting to be with horses it's just really fun like yeah it's the best <laughs> it's all the things you love it is all the things I love. So because everybody on the other end of this can't see you, mm-hmm. um, tell folks, because you you mentioned, um, you said, since you had never been, you had never seen anybody riding who looked like you. So share with folks what your background is and, and who, you, you know, what do you look like that makes you look, that makes you look different where you didn't have representation? All right. Well, I have a beautiful melanin skin um and really lovely curly hair but i so my mom is from germany so i'm a first generation american from her side and then my dad is from alabama um originally so he's and he's african-american and growing up it's just a predominantly white sport you know and it's not just for you know women of color that are black but also of asian of latina all that stuff it just so happens to be that way because it was a sport of the wealthy, as it still is in lots of places, you know. And I always think it's funny because people will be like, oh, my God, you ride horses. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. Like, I work with horses so I can ride horses. And it's slightly different, um, which I'm grateful for in a lot of ways because it just, you know, it makes you work hard if that's how you get to do the things that you love. But yeah, so there weren't a lot of people that looked like me riding, but it was fun. You know, the thing about riding that I really love is that no matter what you look like, no matter how old you are, no matter what type of riding you do, no matter if you've ridden when you were little and then not again, and then again when you're older, 
or whether you start as an adult, whatever. The whole common thread is that everybody loves the horses. So no matter what, it brings people together because you have the common factor of these amazing animals you get to spend your time with, the magic of learning how to communicate with them under whatever umbrella of riding that is. You know what I mean? And it's just like, everything else is, it doesn't matter because you get to like be so excited and youthful in that moment. It's really fun. That's amazing. So the, the, um, I'll tell you the reason why I wanted you on the podcast is because, um, I have always been so impressed by the fact that, you know, and people who heard back to, you know, the, the episode with Natalia, because Natalia Cordova Buckley is also a dear friend of both you and I. And I had mentioned in that episode how, you know, she was kind of quietly paying attention as I was on this journey of waking up to, you know, the role of thought and how it influences how we feel inside our behavior, how we see life. And you were also quietly paying attention (laughs) and you picked it up so fast, Vivian. And I remember you immediately talking about how, um, kind of how it was playing out in front of you at work with the horses and with, and watching, you know, and watching all all of your students. And um, so how is it, share a little bit about what you notice now that you understand the role of thought and how it changes. I mean, it's exactly what I just said, how it changes your behavior, how you feel and how you see life. Now that you see that, how is that? Um, what direction do I want to go with this question? Firstly, how are you noticing that in your students and how it impacts the way that they ride? And then also with the horses, I think there's like three answers in there. So just go with whatever bubbles up first and then we'll go with it. Okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. Redirect me first. Start getting a little off track. There, then. <laughs> um, uh, okay. So, I mean, I think everything in riding comes back to making sure that you're like riding what's happening. Do you know what I mean? So like, just like in thought, if you're thinking about what could be happening, then you get tighter and you try to hold on a little too much, most likely. And the reaction for the horses often is that they get tighter and then it's a cycle. It's just like thought. So, if you're nervous, your horse is going to behave in a poor way, right? And something you might not be able to hypothetically handle. Then we try to like bundle them up a little bit. So it's like, okay, we'll just stay right with me. And then we won't do that. Right. And then the horses start to be like, oh my God, why are you getting so tense? And then they react in a certain way. And then we go, see, I knew it. I knew that they were going to do that. Just like I've heard you say, we've talked about it. If you go to an office and you think, God, that Lisa, she is weird. You know what I mean? Every time I see her, she is like, just, I think she's just talking about me when I walk in. So you go in with a certain mood and then Lisa's like, wow, it's like, she comes in really hot every day. And then I'm like, see, Lisa is just, see, I knew it. I knew it. She must be talking about me because as soon as I walk up, I exude a certain mood. And in writing, sometimes you have to exude the mood. I tell everybody to count when things like that happen, right? So it's counting really out loud to get a little more present. It's counting to be breathing and it's counting to like center yourself a little bit. Cause all of a sudden you start counting one, two, and you notice that your horses are stepping a lot shorter than you're counting. And it's like, oh, well, hold on. I have to now let go a little bit in order for the horses to feel like they're able to go. You know what I mean? And then everything will smooth itself out, you know? Just as the opposite end, if you're riding and you're like, oh, this is going great. Like, this is wonderful. And then you start thinking about your last jump or whatever. And then it starts to kind of like fall apart underneath you, whether the horses are getting a little too fast or the horses are getting a little too slow. But if you start to daydream, often what happens is that we let go a little too much. 
right? So whether that's letting go of the situation, whether it's in thought and you're letting go of what's happening now because you're thinking about what happened before, it's just not serving you in either direction. You know, so I get being present is really what I notice in people's thinking because every time you have a thought, your body has a reaction in writing. And because you are sitting on something, that something also has a reaction. For people in their thinking, the reaction is their body because they're sitting in their body as they're thinking about it. It's amazing because it's exactly <laughs> what it's it's exactly the thing that gets me excited about talking to you about all this stuff. Because I think um I mean, how powerful would it be? You know, you're giving me ideas of just like, holy cow. You know, I think we've talked about this before of, of putting our heads together and having people kind of start to learn this understanding with a horse, because, you know, it just, you know, imagine if we could do that together someday, that's a dream for the future, but it is amazing. (laughs) It is amazing how, um, like you're saying, it's just like life, you know, how we can come in with all of this thinking on our mind. And like you said, we then we get tense, we get tight, there's pressure inside of us. And what I'm hearing you say is in the world of riding, then you can see that in how the, the horse is reacting to the rider. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wild, That's huh? amazing. So can you see somebody, if somebody is even just walking around the ring or, or, or on a course, you know, doing jumps and the whole thing, can you tell as an observer, as the fantastic teacher that you are, so can you tell when somebody has gone from present to somewhere else in their head? Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, um, it's often you you can you know i mean once again like typically you know i think a lot of it comes from people trying too hard often you know? also like life <laughs> just like life right <laughs> so like I, I have one client that she's so funny um i call i always am like stop getting hypnotized girl like she's just thinking so much about what to do that she ends up doing nothing, which has gotten so much better. But what's interesting is that for her, what works is talking to herself out loud more, you know, until it becomes a habit that she is relaxed enough. That's the, look, that's the hardest part about literally everything. You want to be doing something well, you have to be relaxed enough to do it. To be relaxed enough to do it, you have to believe that you can do it to believe that you can do it. You have to be present enough to have done it enough times to go, oh, I know what to do, you know, versus going, I have to, like when you're jumping, if you're thinking like, I have to get this distance. And often what that happens is that you start to shorten your horses and get slower or shorter or shorter. And some horses will go, oh, okay, I guess we're stopping. Then they'll just stop. And some horses will kick in with opposition reflex and be like, oh, we're about to, fly through this thing fly either one's not that pleasant so it has to be that you stay present enough to believe that when you get to a certain point in front of your fence that your friendship is good enough and you've done your job enough that you have to let go enough to let them do their job right so that's your hard work your plan that you put into place the practice that you've done for whatever you know, whatever that is your path to get ready for whatever you want to do. And really it is to get into the best feeling that you want. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me what you mentioned a second ago, but you've told me before. So I had, I have it in my head. That reminds me of your phrase, the exude the mood. Yeah. You talk a little bit more about that. I love that. What does that Um, mean? So for me, I guess for when I'm riding, you know, if I get, if I get a horse that's a little bit younger and they're a little bit anxious, you know, I always think you, you have to get calmer. Like everything about you has to get a little more grounded. So that way you can be more still and exude the mood that you'd like them to do. So for me, like, I love counting when I'm riding, 
and really breathing because it gives it does give me a in the moment present thing to like attach my like rhythm to right because everything is the rhythm and the flow of it so to be able to take a deep breath even when you don't want to to be able to relax your body even if you don't feel like it you know i sometimes joke to the kids i'll be like you gotta scream on the inside and on the outside you have to be just a little calmer and like be the one to say it's okay even if you're not quite sure because most of the time you are you know and look i'm not trying to say riding is not dangerous and it's all that easy because it isn't but for the most part you know you have to make sure that it, at least so you can calm everything down in order to get off of horses do you know what i mean like yeah. if i i gotta at least exude the mood enough to be like okay i can get off now you know if i don't want to keep dealing with the situation just like in life you know Sometimes you have to calm down enough to leave. You don't necessarily have to stay in whatever the situation is or the turmoil it is or the thought process it is. You just have to think, okay, this isn't serving me right now. I need to calm down enough that I can like, do something else. For all the listeners out there, I have been nodding my head so big <laughs> because it's so important for everyone to hear, right? That it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's so simple, but it's, it's so huge to really understand that when you relax, right? And I, that's why I love when I've heard you say that the other day, exude the mood. It's such an easy mantra to have because I mean truly because it rhymes <laughs> and it you know and it just it immediately for me it brings up oh right because I I wouldn't automatically go I want to exude anxiousness walking into something or nervousness or upset and it's not to say that those feelings aren't bad or wrong at all but just reminding yourself that it's it changes everything about how you feel how you handle your 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 situation how you how you handle the moment and it and it influences everything around you and i see you do that a lot too because you are you know somebody who and also, you know, out of all fairness, this has been something because I want to give you the credit for this, too, is that, you know, we've known each other for almost two decades yeah. and you, you've always had you've always had that piece of you that really was good with going with the flow. But I have definitely seen a shift in your own experience, too, where I can feel that you do see the choices in in how to. Um, in the feeling that you're in, you know, and I don't know if, you know, I just, I feel like it was all kind of coming together. I'm sure the horses were teaching you this starting to, you know, while you were teaching, you know, share a little bit about that because, you know, I really only started to present this understanding to you like five years ago. And I know that there was a shift in everything, you know, you've been teaching for so much longer. So I'm sure there was, without putting, um, you know, like Mike, you know, my husband and the producer extraordinaire of the podcast, you know, he kind of was born into this world with this understanding of his mind. And when I started to see it more clearly, he was just, he was like, you are putting words to something that I already knew. And which is really the truth about all of us. Right. But for you, I kind of ex have experienced that also where it was, it was so quick when, when I started to share about all of these things, you were really quick to pick it up. And so I think that was, it's because there was a part of you that was really seeing that already in your teaching without maybe you even knowing it. Does that make sense? Um, you can also yes. say, no. tell me no, your truth. It does. <laughs> it does. I mean, I just feel so lucky that I have got to witness what you've been through and that you've always been, obviously, you're like, you're giving away your gift like crazy. 
but you've been so generous with your gift with like Nat and I and the people that are so close to you. Um, and it's like you always say though, it feels like there's something that it's, it's not that you're like giving us the gift, but you're reminding us that we've already had this gift and that we just like can open it, which is really nice. Um, I think the think like the seeing the thinking and people, I mean, look, fear is the ultimate leveler, right? It doesn't matter what you do for work. It doesn't matter who you're in charge of. It doesn't matter how many kids you've had. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. If you're scared, it it opens you up in a certain way. And oftentimes because I see people, some people I see almost every day, which for me is like so great because I love them and we get to like hang out doing my favorite thing. Um, but riding can be really scary and you have to have a certain amount of trust in, like I'm telling people to jump over stuff and I'm like making stuff bigger when they're like not looking and they're coming around and they just have to be like, well, Vivian thinks I can do it, I can do it. You know, and I, I feel like I, I've seen that, you know, they have to believe that they can do it, right? And then they can. And I'm not going to ask anybody to do things that I don't think they can do because I want to keep everybody as safe as possible. But watching people overcome being scared and it turn into something fun and then me going, oh, see, like I knew that they could do that. The only reason why they didn't think they could do that is because they were scared because their thinking was telling them like, this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. And I'm like, look, yeah, it definitely could. You definitely could fall off. Like it's a dangerous sport. However, you worrying about falling off is probably going to make it happen more likely because you're tense and tight. And you just thinking, you know, I could take the same amount of energy and believe I could do it. Makes you more relaxed and excited. And then once you accomplish it, one like for me, when I'm doing something that I'm a little bit scared doing, once I've done it once, you're like, oh, this is amazing. And then you're like, oh, great. Let's just like do it 50 more times. Like this is easy because your body just says like, we can survive this, you know? What were we God. thinking about riding? <laughs> well, I mean, I, we can pause there because again, this is, this is, this is the magic of, of all of what what you do and what you see because it's life again you know it's 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 life again the fact that you said you know like you said that you bump up the jumps and stuff when they're coming around the corner that they don't know and but they have to have a moment of going oh well if vivian thinks i can do it then let's go for it right and then believe in themselves that's life life is constantly showing up for us for us going, I think you can do it. And then yeah. we're the ones that go, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right. And, and so then again, to keep going back to what you just said as an example, is that then you can decide, do I relax and believe and trust in this process and what's showing up for me because if it wasn't showing up for me it wouldn't be meant for me i think i've heard you say that too mm -hmm. right yeah. yep absolutely yeah. and it's so fun to watch them do it you yeah. know what i mean it's just like yeah it's fun to watch people be proud of themselves like it's so great i feel like people aren't proud of themselves enough you know it's really an amazing thing because then you start to be like, oh, I want other people to feel like this. It's like, it's so fun. Yes. But, and I think that's contagious. You exude the mood. Yes. Yes. And just like watching your students, you know, get over those jumps and then, and, and see them light up from the inside. That is also us when we move past things that look like, is this really something that I'm capable of doing? We wake up to our mind and go, okay, I feel uncomfortable because I'm stepping into the unknown, but you know, let's go. Let's, you know, let's, let's exude the mood and, and ride the wave and see what happens. And on the other side, every single time in my experience for myself and for the hundreds of folks that I have helped, 
every single time when we step into that, and I will say when it, when it feels in alignment inside of ourselves, right. It's not like, you know, car crashes are like something you should go out and look at, look for <laughs> to do, but you know, it's, you know, it's more about those opportunities, those possibilities that show up for us, even if they're like ideas that come to us to do for our lives. And then we go, we question those ideas out of nowhere. You know, it's like, oh God, that's an exciting, we get excited and then we immediately squash it. Cause then we yeah. think, oh, but how would I be able to do that or pull it off? Or um, let's go back to you. Um, let's take it to your personal experience. Cause I, I've never really thought to pull that apart of you having the opportunity to teach and how you said, oh geez, I've never actually taught. Like you had all this experience being the writer, mm -hmm. but to turn it around and be the teacher, like you said, you were like, oh God, well, yeah. I got the job and I've actually never done it. Right. Yeah. So share a little bit. Cause that's kind of, you know, how did you ride that in hindsight? Well, I mean, I love taking lessons still to this day. Like, I love it. Like, I would take a lesson every day. I would never ride by myself. <laughs> I would only have someone help me. Um, and so I think in the very, you know, when you're teaching people very beginning things, it's pretty simple in the way, like, it's hold these reins evenly. It's very black and white. Like, you know, in riding, if you're a little kid, you get these rainbow rings. It's like, put your hands on the red. Are they both on the red? Right? Oh, one's on the green, one's not on the red. You're not holding your bike tire straight. But it was a lot of me finding like um, metaphors that people have in their everyday life if they don't ride all the time, you know, uh, in order for them to relate to the riding. I think only as I've gotten more experience to the riding and I'm teaching people that are a little farther along, you still see the connection between thinking and and riding all the time, right? Because it's either people are too tight because people are fearful or people are too loose because they're not fearful enough. <laughs> um, but as you get going, I think just like, for me, what I started to really love is when I also started bringing horses along and the fact that like, I had to explain to the horse what I wanted. And in that same vein, then I could start explaining to the people how you ask the horses those types of things and how you ask them you know so you start teaching like people to listen to their horses and like they're you know I, I don't believe horses are just innately bad or naughty or whatever they have experiences just like people that bring them to where they are um but explaining to people that you have to meet every horse where they're at in that it's not their fault that they're there and it's our job to explain to them in a kind consistent way uh these are how we're expecting you to do these things and that doesn't always mean sweet and softly it just is what it is but it's also firm and strong sometimes but for me it's always backing it up with a positive reinforcement um so in that I feel like I'm going off tangent, but I just feel like, you know, as you start teaching people how to ride, you start to see often how people talk to themselves because, and including myself, like, you know, I, I really identify with Nat and her um, episode she did with you, her session basically, that about our voices, because I also have a very rough voice. And so people do say like, oh, you must be tough, you must be strong. I'm also a black woman. I'm also grew up in the Midwest. You know, it's all those things that you get pushed onto you, um, which is neither here or there, because I am all those things. Do you know what I mean? And I adore that. But I just feel like with horses, you can't, like, I'm never going to be stronger than a horse. Like, that's crazy. You know, so you have to find ways to speak to them in a way that they're going to be able to understand that. And then with teaching, I found that out as well. Like, not everybody not everybody understands the same metaphor or the same vocabulary. And I always felt like it was my job as a teacher to figure out what the best way to talk to everybody is. 
And I think that's really what the teaching was. Like teaching riding was easy because I know how to ride, especially the very lower basics, the very basics of it. Like I love those and I'm good at those. So it wasn't necessarily like teaching riding. It was figuring out how to communicate with everybody. And then for everybody to figure out how they can communicate with their horses. Some people are too sweet. Doesn't work. All the horses want to do is hang out. Like, that's fine. They're cuddly and sweet for school horses. You know, some people want to be too dominating. The horses don't like that either. Everybody's got to figure out their own volume and their own vocabulary. And then for every horse that translates, right? Everybody's speaking English, but everybody's dialect's a little different. So you're not super far apart and you can still understand. Sometimes you're like, wait, what did you say? Like, hold on, I don't under, I don't understand that word. Like, is that similar to this word? And then together we figure out how we can both, you know, the rider, the student and I can help communicate towards the horse what we want. You've just said so many things that I want to take Stop. into tangents, <laughs> darn it. No, no, in an excellent way. Okay. Okay, so let me try to, I was like, ooh, pin that, ooh, pin that, ooh, pin that. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny, you know, because when you're just talking, you're like, is this making any sense? I'm just oh, all of it. Okay. <laughs> all of it is making so much sense, Vivian. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so let me try to, let me try to go back to the things I was thinking. So first thing that stood out to me that I loved is, is meet the horse where it's at because that is such a human thing because the more that we the more that we simply we've you know it's it i know people can get caught up in feeling that that these ideas can feel complex and overwhelming but that's why i was so excited to have you on because when you're looking at it when in terms of a person on a horse it's it's, <laughs> it's more simple yeah i understand so, that. It, you know yeah. so when you said that you teach your students to meet the horse where it's at, because it comes to, you know, it, it, it's coming to that lesson with all of its own history. That is so profound to see about human to human connection. Yes, I agree. You know, cause the thing about it is it's like, you know, if I, I mean, you know, you know, I talk about my sweet horse river all the time and how much I love her. And she was, you know, um, introduced to being ridden later in life than most horses. And then it feels like intermittently, right? So if she got introduced to riding at five, I got her, she's now nine. And it's not her fault that she doesn't know certain things, just like people that we meet, right? It's not their fault that they don't see thinking perhaps the same way that I do or that you do or that Nat does or that whoever does. Um, and it's okay. And we can choose to help communicate with this horse, right? Where it's at and take the time and be patient to kindly try to show it the way. Or we can say, you know what? That's a lot of work. I'm not into it. Like best of luck, someone will be, you know, um, in people as well. But I think, I think the thing about it is we have to remember that it's not the horse's fault. And the horse doesn't think it's its fault. Do you know what I mean? So like, and it's not. So like if I'm, I feel like I'm really like butchering this a little bit. I feel like, you know, if you're at a certain point and I'm at a certain point, it is not, I have to meet you where you are. And it's not my job to help you anywhere else. It's not your fault. And I, I think what happens is that like, you don't know it's not your fault. We just start being like, I can't believe we're like this. It's like, I can't believe we're like this. And it isn't our fault we're like this. And it doesn't even matter. In the here and now, we get to choose how we proceed in this life, right? And it's not about beating ourselves up about it. It's about being like, well, you know, I'm 38 and I'm now waking up to thinking and I want to cringe at all the times that my thinking got the best of me. But there's no point of spending time on that either. It's when I get to the next point, the, the situation is similar. I can choose to think about it the same way or go, oh, is that really what's happening? Or is that how I'm viewing it? You know, it's like if the horse isn't doing what I want, is the horse really being a jerk? 
or does it just not understand? And most likely it just doesn't understand. And in that moment, because it's my horse, it's my job to explain it to it. And maybe I'm explaining five steps too far and that's also okay. I have to be all right with this. this is where we're at. So I have to take it four steps back and we have to start at step number one. And then you have to champion those moments because that's what's going to make them feel like, oh, okay, this is all you wanted from me. And it's like, yeah, I, I just wanted you to walk. Like, I don't want anything else. I just want to walk from here to over there. And now that you did that, I think you're rad. Like, good job. I know you could do it. This is amazing. And then we both leave feeling accomplished. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to complete all the way to Z for you to feel like you've done something worthwhile. Like sometimes for people getting out of bed is their accomplishment for the day. And for that day, that's amazing. You can champion yourself for that. Feels better. You're just going to go to bed anyway. You go to bed feeling shitty or you go to bed feeling all right about it. (laughs) Oh, Vivian. I can, I feel like I can hear people's sighs of relief <laughs> listening to this because it's so true. And, you know, and, and having that, having that understanding of people are always coming to the table with their own understanding of life, their own understanding of themselves, their own understanding of you that probably doesn't have anything to even do with you, especially at the beginning of getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. To just know that about other humans. Oh, it's relieving. It's relieving. And it's, you know, we're not responsible for how people are coming towards us. We're only responsible for how we behave and we, I don't even want to say react, but like respond. Yeah. How we respond to them, you know? And I, I, a long time ago, I think luckily having the horses and luckily having our friendship, right. And me being fortunate enough in this life to recognize what that friendship feels like. I know that I want to move through life, leaving people feeling the way that I feel when I feel my best. Like, am I crying already? I I got through this way longer than I thought without shedding one tear. This is, I was like, I'm going good. <laughs> I got teary earlier, but I swallowed it. <laughs> You're in the middle of talking, so you didn't notice. <laughs> Your eyes always look so beautiful when you cry. <laughs> oh. Well, that's left me a little speechless. Okay. (laughs) Oh, it's just so true. What was the last thing that you just said? I feel like it's worth repeating. I was so, I was so lost in the moment. You said you want to leave people feeling the way. That I feel when I'm at my best. That, oh God, let's say it again. You want to leave people the way that you feel when you are feeling your best. Yeah. Oh my God. Let's, <laughs> let's make a t-shirt. <laughs> get stickers. I'm all about that. Bumper stickers. Love it. <laughs> it's it it kind of reminds me of something I had heard a colleague say once was uh, you know, uh like tugboats or you know, any kind of boat that has a little has a little motor on the back and and you know when you kind of get it going fast, it'll leave a wake behind it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll leave a wake behind it no matter what, but you know, it's like you can e- either, you know, it's really relaxed and smooth and that, that wake is quite, you know, beautiful and slow moving and, you know, or it's really like choppy and worked up behind it. Yeah. So a colleague of mine had, had used that as a metaphor and she said, you know, what is the wake that you leave behind you? with people. Yeah. You know, and I rem- I know it, that one has stuck with my mom. She says it all the time. She, you know, about, you know, what is the wake I'm leaving behind me when I leave that friend, you know? Um, and yeah. And it's, it's, 
It's really amazing. You know, I've, I touch on this a lot. I think I even touched on it in the Natalia episode, but um, it is, it's a little bit, just like you said earlier, when at first it's a little cringy when you realize how much your thinking has, has kind of changed your behavior or taken away, taken you away from who, you know, how you would normally want to be yeah in the past you know and and, i mean it's you know it's a work in progress all the time i was gonna say it's probably gonna (laughs) happen again because you know i just i can just hope that it gets shorter and shorter yeah that's all i can really hope for you know it's the human condition yeah um it'd be boring otherwise right but you know, besides the cringy part, you know, of, of holy cow, realizing that it's your responsibility for, you know, how you feel, how you act, how you respond to life and to people, you know, and how you, how you leave people behind you, you know, it's, it's, it's a little mind boggling for people at first, because we're so used to looking at we're so used to assuming that we are just reacting to life. So then life is the problem and whatever else is happening. Definitely. And so at first it's a little mind boggling because, you know, of course your mind starts to kick up all the people you can't stand or any like past abusive relationships or, you know, parents who failed you. And so you kind of, you know, your, your, your ego mind can't help but go, well, wait a second, but what about then? And what about then? And what about then? And it's not to say, you know, we are not, we are not the party of denial either. <laughs> no, for sure not. <laughs> and we are not the party of, of lay down and take it of other people's behavior. But you even mentioned earlier today, which is so fantastic, how you said the more relaxed you are, it also can help you in knowing when it's time to leave. Yes, definitely. You know, it, yeah, it's because it's one of those things, you know, um, as you see like where people are and, and where horses are, you can choose, you know, I don't get on every single horse I see, like, that's crazy, you know, and you can choose to, and nothing against that horse. They have a whole history that I'm not privy to. Obviously they weren't you know, anything you give attention to grows and horses, you know, they train as you train them. So if you have a habit of getting off of them every time they're being naughty and putting them away, then they think, oh, great. Well, then I get, I'm naughty. And then I get to go and like hang out and I don't have to do anything anymore. You know, and some people and some horses have had those experiences so much that for them, maybe waking up is too painful, right? Maybe these horses have such a willpower that they are going to go to a cowboy and it's like way more than I want to deal with. Cause I have to be willing to escalate the behavior past the horses willing to escalate the behavior and in order sometimes for them to understand. And I'm not willing to do that. And that's okay with me. And I'm not going to beat myself up about it because I would like to live, you know? And for me with people, it's the same thing. Sometimes people need you to, or they'd like you to engage in behavior a certain way. And I'm just not into it. Do you know what I mean? I just don't want to participate. I don't have the patience for this. This is not how I like to feel. This is not how I want to live my day. And I don't have to be upset about it. And I don't have to blame them for it. I can just choose not to participate in it. You know, and I can take, I cannot take it personally. They're not behaving this pattern or thinking in this way because I, Vivian, am who I am, you know, they've been doing that way before they met me. I just so happen to be the one seeing it at the moment, you know? I mean, yes. (laughs) So I want to, there is a point that from that, remember that run of things that you said, and I said, oh my God, you're saying so many good things. There is one more thing I want to try to get out of you before my last question. Okay. Because yes, time flies. Dang it. I know. I was like, this is so fun. I love you. So, because I think this is good piggybacking off of what you just said. How you said that you have a similar experience um, that you mentioned as as our friend Natalia. Because you have a low lower voice as a woman. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And then also being a black woman. So you said that you have come up with, you have experienced judgment or you didn't say this. Let me actually just ask you your experience. And so how has, how has this understanding helped you with that, that piece also? Um, You know, I mean, it's being, I think being a black woman in America is, and I'm biracial, you know, and some, everybody identifies with that kind of stuff differently. And so for me, you know, I often identify as biracial, depending on who I'm with, really, because anyway, Um, but the thing is, yeah, we we could go, no, it's such a good one, obviously, this again, because that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, 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 it's a lot of stuff. But you know, here it's like, don't be too angry. Don't be too loud. Don't be too forceful, you know, but like, don't lay down either. Like, oh, I thought you had an opinion about this. And it's like that kind of thing, you know, and then I would just decide and they would always be like, you know, well, Vivian's tough. She's strong. And I am tough and strong. You know what I mean? And I feel people that work with horses often are, and we're people that take care of ourselves and the people that don't often ask for help, you know, and I, I think that's partially of the business that I'm in. It's partially of being a black woman in America and feeling like at times, you know, you have to be forceful to be taken seriously. And then you have to be like super submissive in certain ways to not be threatening. And I think in, you know, for me in riding, you, once again, you can't be so passive that the horses don't, do what you're asking because then you are telling them that when you're asking something it doesn't matter you know and you are letting them step over you and then if you get too forceful then you know they can get scared they can get threatened they can shut down you know just like people in that way and the thing about it is is like as in the writing as in life I figured out through my thinking that I don't have to be forceful to be taken serious. I have to be consistent. And I have to be consistent in what I think is important, what I think is good and what I think I should be doing, not necessarily consistent in what I think someone else should be doing, you know? And through that, I don't have to be forceful because I've never been, you know, someone that has, not to say like, look, I think too, if you gather more information and your viewpoint and where your perception is, you can see that, oh, maybe I could change that because that no longer makes sense to me, then I think you should do that, you know? But once again, it's how you are specifically individually feeling about it and staying true to that. And in the writing, it's true. Beautiful. In the writing, it's hard because things don't show up for you for like, we always joke, it's like at least two weeks. You introduce an idea to the horse and they need two weeks of consistency for you to feel like they start, you ask them the question and they go, oh, you know what? I think I know that answer. Because in the beginning, they're like, what are you saying? And then they go, oh, wait, wait, wait. Is this what we worked on yesterday? Is this what we're doing? And then as you continue to be consistent, they start to go, oh, I understand what you're saying. Oh, when you're asking me this question, this is the response you're expecting from me. Does that make sense? Well, you should be expecting things from people, but... Well, I think it's also, I think that's also good to say even about humans, because it's important to, to understand that we are filled with our own history. And when we come together in relationship, whether it's friendship, coworkers, or romantic, intimate in any kind of way, um, you know, it's like when, what, as we evolve individually, because just like you said, what you touched on, you know, change and growth is inherent in who we are. So we are going to evolve. And the more mm-hmm. that we are aware of our own truth and how that's evolving, and then we bring that to the world or to the person that we're, you know, wanting to either shift behavior with or have better communication with, it's so important to understand your two different histories coming together, having a conversation about what needs to be different or presenting whatever is important to you and, and um, having some grace for, and like what you're saying for horses, how it takes two weeks for them to really kind of sink into a habit. 
or sink into what asking what you're asking for you know it's why not kind of have that for for humans also you know that that it does take time sometimes for people to take it in and integrate it into their own new history you know of what's important to you and um and of course you know we've talked about this and about relationships you know that we've been in that you know you can of course kind of get a vibe for when somebody's conscious of it even if you know if they make the mistake over and over again and go oh my god i'm so sorry i know how important this is to you and i'm really trying to be aware of it that's one thing versus mm-hmm. somebody who keeps making the mistake and tro- totally not caring and not having any kind yeah. of respect for you that's when you can have a moment of a breather and a walk on out that door <laughs> yeah you're like i'm selling this horse they have to go thank you so much i tried <laughs> But that's, it's just, it's, it's so, again, it's, it's, it's amazing. I I feel like I could talk for 10 more hours with you about this. So for just the respect of time and knowing that people, you know, only have an hour carved out for this, let's, let's wrap it up with the final question that I ask everybody. Um, and, if, and as I say to everyone, whatever bubbles up, it doesn't, you know, so whatever fits for you, there's no right or wrong answer to this. I, but what moves you, Vivian? What moves you? What moves me? I mean, I think like everybody, you know, the things that make me feel alive are many and I, I want to say that like fear moves me, but I really think the reality is, is that bravery moves me and people are being brave, you know, because the umbrella of that is so large and what's brave for one person is not the same as what's brave for another. And I think that it is the feeling after we are brave that is the magic. It's just it's just the best place to be, to think that I did that and I've accomplished that and I can let other people know that they can do it. It's really like a beautiful moment. (laughs) I did not expect that. I'm in tears again. (laughs) Oh, bravery moves you and the moment after. Oh my God. Vivian Hall. Oh, my love. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You're the gift. You're the gift. Amazing. You are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. If I know that you are a very busy teacher and horse trainer, but are you willing to share if anybody is interested to look into where you, where you ride and, and if they are interested in horseback riding, like, you know, just to reach out to you, do you have a place where they can do that? Is there a Instagram or something? Yes. The Instagram is over the moon, but if you want to shoot us an email to over the moon equestrian at gmail.com, that is the easiest way to get a hold of I or my business partner, Jenna, who is also just such a sweetie pie. Amazing. <laughs> so over the moon equestrian at gmail.com. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And somebody, either you or Jenna will respond. Yeah. But if they want to have a conversation with you, they put Vivian Hall in capital letters <laughs> in the subject line. Oh, yes. Perfect. Because I do look at it. <laughs> and then for all of you dear listeners out there, I will preface that this woman is very busy. So if, <laughs> if, you. Yeah. <laughs> so if you let her know that you heard her here, um, I'm sure she'll, she'll, you know, open her ears a little bit more to see if there's anything possible in her schedule, but it definitely is. Um, this conversation has just been wonderful. So thank you so much, Vivian. Oh, thank you, Jesse, for this opportunity. Really. It's so humbling that you would, when I have this chat with me and share it with all the people and like all your insights, you're just so lovely. I'm just so grateful for you. 
know. <laughs> All right. Well, on to the next. And um, thank you so much. And I guess we'll just say bye to everybody and, and talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. With those brave lives. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Love you, Vivian. I love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to What Moves You with Jesse. Let's stay connected. You can find more ideas and strategies on being human on my Instagram, at What Moves You with Jesse. Sign up for my newsletter or learn more about working with me at WhatMovesYouWithJesse.com. And please rate and review the show and let us know what you think and what resonated. I read every single review. They mean so much to me. You can also call in on our hotline with your thoughts on what resonated there too. It is always live at 818-646-JESS. That's 818-646-JESS. What Moves You with Jesse is produced by Mike McGraw and Tinker City Music. Now, let's take a deep breath and give ourselves permission to live in this moment for what truly moves you.